Hi, I'm Melinda Cusera, and welcome back to my series about reading Cursebreaker Enchanted. Today I'm going to read chapter four, and we'll have a little chat afterward about what we just read. So here we go. Chapter four. Sarn halted on a gravel path. Something didn't feel right, though that might be because the enchanted forest lay just beyond the two concentric rings of standing stones that encircled the meadow. They maintained a cordon the enchanted forest couldn't cross, but something was different about those mega plants tonight. Sarn touched the blindfold. Leave it in place, Nolo hissed. Why? The only people nearby were rangers. Sarn could sense them even without his head map, nor were they the only people his sixth sense kept track of. The two people who were dearest to Sarn, his younger brother and his little boy, were dim lights at the periphery of his consciousness. Because it's better this way. Now come along. Nolo tugged on Sarn's arm to get him moving. Is this disturbance in the enchanted forest? Sarn approached the inner henge. He could sense it, even if he couldn't see it. Those standing stones held power, like the one poking at the blindfold covering his eyes. Whatever gave you that idea? Grigori breezed past Sarn, sarcastic as ever. After this point, there's nothing but enchanted trees for a long way, but not forever. There were other settlements nestled in Shiari's Hundred Valley. Sarn couldn't recall which one lay in this direction, nor was he sure which direction he was facing. Sarn triggered his head map to find out. Instead of spawning, his map stayed out of sight. Damn, Grigori and his blindfold. Sarn felt for the knot again and then stopped. It was too silent here. Not even the wind dared to rise. The air between the men hairs in front of Sarn coalesced into an invisible hand and it shoved Sarn backward away from the two henges. Nolo's grip broke as he stumbled out of the inner ring of standing stones onto the meadow. Why did it do that? Something warm brushed against his hands when Sarn raised them to examine the barrier blocking his way. Particles flowed clockwise, sparking on his palms. They probably glowed the same green as his eyes since the same magic generated them. Nolo shook Sarn, reminding him of his master's presence. What happened? Why did you retreat? I didn't. It expelled me. Sarn tried to yank his arm free and failed. It's never rejected you before. I don't like it. Nolo sounded pissed off. He tightened his grip, but he needn't have bothered. Sarn couldn't leave. Magic and oats bound him to Nolo, forcing him to do what that ranger said, but Sarn didn't have to like it. He removed Nolo's hand from his arm so he could pace. Before tonight, Sarn had crossed these henges many times with no hindrance at all. Why was tonight different? Sarn quit pacing and explored the blindfold. It was time the damn thing came off. No, don't touch it. You must leave it in place. There are too many folks about. We can't let anyone see, Nolo began, but he didn't finish his protest because there was no kind way to say it. No one wanted to see his freaky eyes because the sight might drive someone to put them out. That reality bitch slapped Sarn every time he opened his eyes. The damn knot defeated his extra-large fingers, putting paid to the argument. Nolo pried his hand away from the blindfold again. Leave it. I'll remove it when it's safe to do so, not before. Tell me what's going on. Nolo could give him that much, but he wouldn't. Sarn clenched his jaw. I can't tell you what I don't know. Nolo tugged him southward as that shocking statement sunk in. Nolo didn't know something? That just didn't happen. Where are we going now? Sarn wished he could see. His head map tracked their progress, but it couldn't suggest any routes because it didn't know where they were going. To find a spot where you can cross. We'll walk the whole damn circumference if we have to. So the problem lay in the enchanted forest. Damn. The forest functioned on a magic akin to his, and it wreaked havoc on his control. Just what he needed on a night when his magic was already unruly. Sarn wanted to drop his head into his hands in defeat, but he refrained. Grass seeded to rock again, jolting him out of the endless spiral of his dark thoughts. But this time, they were water-smooth stones. Sarn grimaced at the fishy stink of the river Nirthal. 
It flowed east to west in a broad, lazy ribbon along the southern edge of the meadow, not too far from where he was standing, and his magic was painfully aware of its presence. Nolo crossed first. This time, when Sarn stepped across the divide, the barrier slid through his body, allowing him to pass. He shuddered at its alien feel as he trudged the ten feet between the two henges, then out onto a rocky beach. Are you all right? Nolo asked. He still held on to Sarn. Sarn nodded and pulled his arm free as something large approached. It flashed red on his head map. Sarn pointed to it. What the hell is that? Look out! Grigori shouted. Look out for what? Get down, kid! Another ranger rushed toward them. His icon waved his hands above his head, and a large tree-shaped icon followed him out of the forest. Someone grab the kid and get him down, Grigori said, but he sounded further away. A body slammed into Sarn and knocked him to the ground, but it was too late. A rough object wrapped around his forearm and pulled Sarn toward the enchanted forest. Another undefinable object wrapped around his upper arm, adding its argument to the fray, and he slid away. Let go of me, Sarn scrabbled for a hold, but his fingers found only dirt. There was nothing to grab onto until several arms clamped around his waist and pulled in the opposite direction. But the fourth pulling his upper body had more leverage than the rangers who were trying to prevent his kidnapping. They were seeding ground and Sarn was slowly sliding away. Before the forest pulled them into it, the rangers realized who they were attempting to save and let go. Sarn slid between two trees, still blind to what was going on. Thanks a lot, Grigori. So that was chapter four. It was short, so I'm also going to read chapter five. Here we go. Chapter 5. Nolo flinched as a giant tree slithered toward them. Trees should stay put, even enchanted ones. But a 300-foot-plus monster crawled on its roots, heading straight for Sarn, and the blindfold made it impossible for the kid to see the danger. A branch whipped out as Nolo dove. He knocked the boy down, but the lad was closer to seven feet than six. A branch seized the brat's arm. It dragged Sarn, but Nolo held fast. Another tree grabbed hold and yanked even harder. The kid slid a few feet closer to a host of uprooted trees. If I could just pull the kid back across the gravel into the ring of standing stones, he'd be safe. None of the enchanted trees could touch the menhares or their cordon. Nolo dug his toes into the earth and struggled to reel Sarn back in. Thank God youth kept the kid lanky and lean enough that Nolo could wrap an arm around the kid's waist and lock it in place. Every muscle strained as the tug-of-war continued. But I must hold on. Sarn is my responsibility. A hit to the head stunned Nolo. Screams battered him while his senses reeled. His grip loosened despite frantic mental shouts at them to hold, 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 damn it! Nolo blinked away pain edged in darkness as the forest swallowed Sarn. I'll find that boy. Rolling onto his stomach, he gathered himself to rise. His head rang warning bells, but he ignored them. The world teetered. Everything grayed as Nolo sat. Whatever had hit him had been hard indeed. Stay down. That thing might return. Nolo gained his knees, determined to make it to his feet this time. He glared at Grigori, who crouched nearby, wringing his smarting hand. You hit me? Why? Nolo stared at Grigori. His longtime friend's sheepish look confirmed his guilt. How did I remain conscious? Grigori was a bear of a man who hit harder than a boulder. Only Sarn stood taller than him. What, should I have let it drag you off too? Bad enough it got the kid. Lord Jorinth will be pissed that thing ate his pet mage. Grigori shuddered. It was a tree, an oak, I think. Nolo probed the sore spot on the back of his head and winced. We don't know if the kid is a mage, Jerlo said as he appeared between his two officers. At five foot nothing, the force of Jerlo's personality took up more space than he did, and it pushed his subordinates apart. His ire focused on a man 16 inches taller than himself, who could bench press one Jerlo at each hand. A dozen rangers turned up to watch the commander scold Grigori. Every ranger had a theory about how Jerlo would best Grigori, but some methods they proposed stretched the limits of credulity. No doubt the betting would be fiercer than usual tonight. Grigori rounded on their boss. Oh yeah? 
then why do his eyes glow all the damn time? It's a sign of active magic. Hell, it's even mentioned in the litany. A mention in the litany made it God's truth, and it sent a chill down Nolo's back every time the subject came up. Do it. We're not having this argument now. Whether the kid ever does one damn magical thing is not my concern. Why? All we do is babysit him. Exactly. Now get over there and take charge of your squad. I want this entire area sealed off until the forest calms down. No one's allowed to pass out of that stone circle. Yes, sir. Nolo had to push to his feet while Grigori argued it out with their commander. His head still rang from Grigori's fist, but Sarn's kidnapper had dragged a two-foot-wide trench pointing the way, and Nolo trotted after it, focusing on his goal. Spotting a kid with radiant eyes should be easy in the dark. Where are you going? Grigori called after him. Where do you think to find Sarn? Good hunting, Jirillo said, though I doubt the kid is in any actual danger. He'll likely turn up with some wild tale ere morning. Maybe, but I'm still going after him. Never doubted it. Jirillo waved his second off. His gaze landed on the rangers playing spectator. You there. Yes, you. Take five men and secure the west side of the circle. You and you go east and you south. Move it, people. Secure the perimeter. Now, damn it. Or you'll be cleaning latrines in the dungeon before the night's over. Jirillo clapped, and the sound cut across the sudden silence. Nolo squeezed between two giant trees and shuddered at their sudden stillness. Their attention focused elsewhere, perhaps on the missing Sarn. A pale green nimbus spread out from a bead of Lumiere on Nolo's wrist. Mount Eregion's mind churned out that luminous stone by the Megaton because this enchanted wonderland carried an extreme prejudice against fire. Aside from being affordable, the green stone reminded him of a promise he'd made five years ago. I'll find you, kid, even if it takes the whole bloody night to search. Sarn, call out if you can hear me. Nolo shouted as he ran. A branch cracked somewhere ahead, and many large things thumped out a rhythm of movement, maybe even of doom. Nolo followed the sound. Lord, let us both live through this. And that's the end of chapter 5. Let's do one more. Let's jump to chapter 6. Chapter 6. Sarn ran his hands along the grooves of the thing manacling his arm and encountered tree bark. Why would a tree abduct me? Let go of me! Sarn hammered the heel of his hand on the branch clamped around his middle. Magic hit his veins in a flood of crackling power, scorching a path down his arm to the hand beating on his captor. The tree let go. Early flowers perfumed the air, but a rank scent overpowered them as Sarn felt along the blindfold for a weakness to exploit. Grew untying the damn thing. Sarn tore the blindfold off, releasing his sight. Green light bathed the trunks of his captors and the furrows attesting that they'd recently moved. After he picked himself up, Sarn checked he was still in one extra tall piece. No broken bones or any bruises. Thank fake for small miracles. Thousands of branches waved, and one enterprising oak bitered toward Sarn on its roots. Two others rose in their root balls and dropped, shaking the ground. Do individual trees have any sense, or do they have a kind of hive mind? Now didn't seem like a great time to ask, so Sarn backed away. But he had nowhere to go. They had surrounded him. The spokesman, Tree, halted a few feet away, and its eyeless stare bored into Sarn. The forest had never chosen to communicate with any of the folk inhabiting its lands. Please, keep your secrets tonight. I have enough of my own. The oak disagreed. It seized his wrist and towed Sarn in its wake. Magic lit up his skin and zapped the branch as Sarn pulled his arm free. I can make my own way. Sarn let the chill of his anger creep into his voice. I'm not a witless child. Show me where you want me to go and I'll follow on my own. The forest stilled. Massive trees stood thousands of feet tall, and their leafy crowns hid the sky as they loomed over him. Sarn massaged his wrist. His skin smarted from where the branch had grabbed him. Did they hear me? Did I anger them? Will they strike me down? No, they can't. The forest has three rules, and I've broken none. The enchanted forest agreed. A moment later, branches waved millions of beckoning leaves. When more and more branches pointed northeast, Sarn set off, curious about the why of all this. 
though I have a feeling I already know. Four miles Sarn trekked, with a wall of trees to his right and left. Are they guarding me? What from? What's going on? The temperature dropped, and night deepened as Sarn climbed a slope. His magic retreated, shrinking the green nimbus he depended on to pick his way through the tangled underbrush. Weird. My magic's never acted like this before. Not that he could remember, but his memory had holes in places. Sarn kept climbing, and that green glow kept shrinking until it was just a pinpoint when he reached the top. Between two trees whose boles each had to be over a hundred feet in diameter, Sarn froze. Winter embraced him, sliding icy lips over the exposed skin of his hands and face. Behind him, the May evening rolled on despite the piece of winter parked in its middle. A natural, whispered his magic, winding tighter around his organs. The glow of his eyes winked out, blinding Sarn. He didn't bother to reply. Conversations with his magic offered a one-way trip to insanity, not the answer Sarn craved. And I've indulged in that enough today. His head map unfurled as he blinked, but it had been too long since his eyes had to work without magical augmentation, so he saw nothing but the map filling up with strange icons. Not helpful. Sarn touched a red symbol flashing before his eyes, and an image of a circle and a star exploded, raining thirteen curved lines onto the ground. As the lines squirmed into the earth, he heard that phrase again. It repeated until he finally caught it. Im, Meyer, Erator. What does that mean? Without context or a definition, it meant nothing to Sarn but a headache, and I've had enough of those. Darkness coalesced into a fist and squeezed Sarn. Blood dripped from his nose and ran down his lips. The foul litany continued as that inky malevolence washing over him solidified, imprisoning him like a fly in amber. An inarticulate cry interrupted the chorus of fell whispers right before Bran snagged hold of his boot and yanked. Sarn rolled closer and rose, basing the thing trying to capture him. This is the wrongness I sensed earlier. But what is it? What caused this? He asked, but the forest maintained its watchful silence. A pack of children stared at his back. When Sarn turned, there were only miles upon miles of trees behind him, but the eerie feeling remained. Are they willing me to do something about this? If so, they have the wrong mage. I have no training and no idea what to do about the cold black blob in front of me other than to run from it if it's dangerous. Is it dangerous? Sarn touched the semi-permeable black membrane blocking his way. It froze his skin on contact, and he stuffed his numb hand under his arm to warm it. Why did you want me to see this? The wind shifted, pelting Sarn with the metallic scent of blood and rotting meat. He doubled over and retched. Sudden violent death had created the cold, dark spot in front of him. That didn't explain how this had happened. Plenty of folk had died in the forest over the years, and none of their deaths had created anything like this. What made these deaths so different? Sarn's stomach heaved, winnowing his world down to throwing up without slattering his already stained clothes. He jerked when a hand landed on his shoulder. Are you okay, kid? Nolo asked. I'm not a kid, Sarn shot back as he wiped the blood dripping from his nose onto his sleeve. I'm twenty. I know. Nolo squeezed Sarn's shoulder then let go. But you're also almost half my age. You're not forty. No, but I'm close to it. What do we have here? Death's marksman pushed through the equally black membrane as if it wasn't there. Maybe it only reacted to magic, or maybe Nolo's status as Death's marksman protected him. Nolo never talked about what it meant to be the mythic Black Ranger, or how he'd gained that title. Nolo wasn't a mage, yet he carried Death's arrows. They were part of him, and so was the burden of choosing how people died. Aren't you freezing? Not any more than usual for a May night. Winter's gone, and I'm glad of it. Nolo turned, and his concern slammed into Sarn. Are you sure you're all right? Sarn nodded and cringed as Hadrival spoke from the depths of memory. No one cares for you, said the orphan master. Then he'd punch Sarn. You're nothing and no one. That's why he turns away. He can't bear to look at you. 
Sarn's head still rang from that blow in years past. Maybe he was still that boy, waiting for someone to see the bruises, the pain. But Nolo had strode away, leaving him with a monster. Well, are you okay? Answer me. Sarn blinked at the question, but the memory refused to recede. Where was that care when I needed it? Sarn? No, I'm not hurt. Not this time, but one day they would hand him over to another monster. It was inevitable. His numb hand tingled as Sarn circled that cold barrier, but he couldn't escape the question, why did you hand me over to a monster? It gnawed at him as he rubbed his arms to warm them. Every circuit around the barrier stole a little more of his heat. Don't you feel it? Feel what? What are you talking about? The place where you're standing. It feels wrong to me. After a moment more, Nolo nodded, then turned his attention to the shadowed lumps in front of him. Wrong how? Sarn shrugged. It's cold and dark. Can you see anything? Nolo's Lumiere stone lit the edges of a hole punched through something, but its nimbus contracted the longer Death's marksman crouched there. It's best you don't look. It's a grisly sight. Tell me what you see. Why do you want to know? Nolo gave him a searching gaze. What did his dark eyes see? I need to know. Sarn met his master's assessing stare. I can handle this. All right. I see body parts scattered over, I'd say a ten-foot radius, and blood. Lots of it coating leaves, branches, and the ground. Body parts? You mean something ripped people apart? Sarn glanced at the trees surrounding them. Are there branches angling for an attack? Yeah, but something impaled this man right through the chest. And the hole it gouged is too broad for a spearhead. Nolo measured the wound with his black hand and struggled to cover it. You can't bring steel in here. The forest doesn't allow it. Sarn moved upwind, but he stayed clear of that black barrier, so the stench stopped causing his stomach to rebel. Its vile presence became opaque until he could not see his master anymore. What is this thing, and what created it? Suppositions pummeled Sarn, but only one made sense. His gaze played green light over an oak whose crown brushed the hidden sky. Are you a killer? Sarn remembered the strength of his leafy kidnapper and shuddered. Its smallest branch could have torn his limbs off. What had incited the trees to murder? Would they kill again? Did they bring me here to take back a warning? What warning? Step out of line and die? Such a threat had always existed. The forest had three rules. Respect them and live. Ignore them and die. Which of the three rules did these people break? A branch taps on on the shoulder and points it left. Am I about to receive an answer? He left Nolo squatting in death's shadow. Cold extended out from the murder site, drawing a foggy line where nature and the unnatural met. And Sarn paralleled it until an obstacle blocked his path. The ice skinning the trees broke off when his shoulder brushed it, leaving a weeping wound to drink in the light his eyes produced. A natural, whispered his magic, before ducking out of that icy darkness's reach. Sarn nodded and kept going, following the Stygian cold deeper into the forest. Branches pointed to another clearing where that icy darkness belled out into another dome of, of what? Something other than air filled that negative space. But what is it? His gaze snagged on a tanned foot resting on a pile of leaves as if its owner had just laid down for a nap. Horror constricted his throat and cut his legs out from under him. But they don't hurt children. It's against their rules. Sarn stretched out a shaking hand toward the broken child dashed on the rocks. His fingers punched the barrier. Ice burrowed under his skin, sucking out his heat. White magic knocked his hand away, and Sarn stared at it as that white light disappeared into his hand. My magic is green, not white. That malevolence gathered around Sarn again, imprisoning him in thickening shadows. They clutched his hand, freezing it, as his index finger touched the boy's cheek. The membrane became opaque, and the star in a circle icon blinked a red warning on his map. Why does it have thirteen vertices instead of the usual five or six? Sarn closed the boy's sightless green eyes. Before he could retract his hand, something pricked the skin between his second and third knuckles. Ice slid into the wound as Sarn retreated from the dead, and the substance hid them, 
while cradling his injured hand. The tiny bite wept a single bloody tear, and in its wake, gray lines cross-hatched the back of his hand until a tongue of emerald flame burned them away. A choked sob escaped his grief-tightened throat. That dead boy might have grown up to be just like me. Did someone kill that boy because his eyes promised magic? Deadly what-ifs chased themselves around his mind. Sarn didn't see a roach crawl out of the darkness. He didn't feel its malevolent interest bearing down on him as he folded, cut to the quick by what he'd seen, and the questions tearing at his heart. Is my son next? The possibility terrified Sarn. That's it for this time. So we read chapters 4, 5, and 6. And we saw the two stone circles that surround the meadow and the mountain, and they themselves have some power. And then we also were introduced to the Enchanted Forest. And the Enchanted Forest has three rules. Start no fires, carry no weapons, do no harm, respect the rules and live, ignore them and die. That's basically how you keep the forest happy. Doesn't say anything about magic, so Sarn can use magic in the forest. They don't have any rule against that, so he's safe-ish, I guess, as long as they don't piss off the forest. We'll find out next time more about the dark magic that he found around the site where the people died, and we may get some theories about what happened. And this is what sets Sarn off on so many adventures to come, this mystery, which does get resolved in the book. But it's a can of worms that he opens that will come back and haunt him quite a bit. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to read ahead or read along, you can get Cursebreaker Enchanted as an ebook or an AI narrated audiobook with a male voice reading it instead of me reading it. I'm not male, obviously. It's also available in print and hardcover. And please like and subscribe. It supports the channel and it would really help. Thank you so much.